0: Jesus is real. power in your name. in Jesus is
1: real. You need to give God your best of everything. You take your talents and don't just give them to whatever to make some money. You say, God, my talents. How can you use these talents you get the first fruits of my life and you give god your very best and you say god in giving you my best i'm gonna let you divvy up everything else and we need to learn this because for so many of us we're not experiencing the life
0: that god has for us because we're not giving god the first fruits of our lives what gets the best parts of you every day is it your job your exercise routine your family Today, on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel explains that God should get your very best, what the Bible calls your first fruits. He challenges you to talk to God about how to use your gifts and abilities in a way that blesses Him. When you seek the Lord and give Him your best, you'll be better able to experience the amazing life He wants you to have. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 18 as he continues his message, Concerning the ministers Jesus
1: The hardest things in life are the most beautiful things in life. The things that are the most horrific are the things that end up being the things that nurture our hearts the most. I was just writing a little bit about the passing of my mom and what that did, and I look back on that time. It was the, one of the hardest things in my life. And at the same time, now God has that's been the single biggest fruit bearing event in my life. I came to Jesus through it, God did all these things through it, and sure, I'd give it all back to have my mom back for one more day. But God has been able to transform the hardest event of my life and made it in hindsight like wow. So we all have to learn that there is a burden to our calling, but it's also a great blessing. Kind of cool, huh? Okay, look what happens in verse 8. And the Lord spoke to Aaron Here I myself have given you charge. Of my heave offerings, all the holy gifts of the children of Israel, I have given them as a portion to you and your sons as an ordinance forever. This shall be yours of the most holy things reserved from the fire. Every offering of theirs, every grain offering, and every sin offering, and every trespass offering which they render to me shall be most holy for you and your sons. Verse 10 In a most holy place. You shall eat it. Every male shall eat it. It shall be holy to you. This also is yours, the heave offering of their gift, with all the wave offering of the children of Israel. I have given them to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. All the best of the oil, all the best of the new wine and the grain, their first fruits, which they offer to the Lord, I have given them to you. Whatever first ripe fruit is in their land, which they bring to the Lord shall be yours. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat of it. Verse 14, every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. Everything that first opens the womb of all flesh, which they bring to the Lord, whether man or beast shall be yours. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man you shall surely redeem, and the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem." And verse 16, those redeemed of the devoted things you shall redeem when one month old, according to your valuation, for five shekels of silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, which is 20 geras. But the firstborn of a cow, the firstborn of a sheep, and the firstborn of a goat, you shall not redeem. They are holy. You shall sprinkle their blood on the altar and burn their fat as an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma, To the Lord, and their flesh shall be yours, just as the wave breast and the right thigh are yours. All the heave offerings of the holy things the children of Israel offer to the Lord, I have given to you and your sons and your daughters with you as an ordinance forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord with you and your descendants with you. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. Now, what does all this mean? Anybody want to volunteer and explain it to us? <laughs> You're like, everyone's right now like, I'm glad I don't have the burden of Busco's calling right now. Okay, start at the end and we're going to work backwards. Look at what it says. It says, In verse 19, all the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer to the Lord, I have given to you and your sons and your daughters with you as an ordinance forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord with you and your descendants with you. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. So you see what's going on. God's called Aaron and his sons, the priests and the Levites. And he's saying, look, you guys get no land. Your job is to do this work. You don't get an inheritance like everyone else. I'm your inheritance. Now that's important because for so many of us, we really don't want the Lord as our inheritance. We just want everything like everybody else. Isn't that true? Yeah, we're all sinners that way. Like, God, you're just not good enough. You're the most valuable person who ever lived. You're the, there's only one God. God is like the hope diamond times infinity, but you're just not good enough. Don't we feel that way? Yeah. You know what that's called? Idolatry. Idolatry is when the human heart says, God, you're not enough for me. What you have done is not enough. Who you are is not enough. And listen, I've said this many times. We all have an idol problem. So I'm not preaching down. Our hearts are perpetual idol factories. That's why in the Ten Commandments, the very first one is, you shall have no other gods before me. Why? Because every other commandment gets broken because we break the first one. The reason we murder or steal or commit adultery or bear false witness is because we value something more than we value the true and living God. So for the priests, their inheritance is what? God. God is their inheritance. And they don't get land, they don't have jobs So if God is their inheritance How do they survive? Everything we read before it There's a portion of all the different offerings That the children of Israel gave That meant to sustain Not only the priests and the Levites But their families Because they were devoted to the thing That God had called them to Does it make sense? And so here we have how they're going to Feed their families In the midst of the work that they're doing And so from all these different offerings, now listen, if you were with us back when we did the first 10 chapters of the book of Leviticus, that series was called Sacrifice. And I went through all the different offerings because each chapter has the sin offering and the wave offering and the heave offering and all this stuff. And I did a very in-depth treatment of it. So go back if you want to, to go through it all again. But what we find is that there are certain parts of the offerings that the Levites and the Aaronic priesthood could partake of. And not only them but also their sons and their daughters. So it, and then they say, anybody who's cleaning your house, you can eat this part of it. So certain parts of the offerings were for certain parts of the family, certain were for all. But what you find here is this is the way the descendants of Aaron and the tribe of Levi survived. And they survived off of a portion of the offering of the people. That's how it works. And so what you have here is you have God's provision for his servants in the midst of this. That's what we find. And so... um. The one thing I do want to make sure I bring out in here, which I think is so important, and it's the idea of the firstborn. All through our Bibles, we end up having this idea of the offering of the firstborn. You can see it in Exodus chapter 13, all through the book of Leviticus. It's always the firstborn, the firstborn, the firstborn. Why? Because God deserves our first fruits. Why? Because the reason we have anything is because God has given it. We've never generated anything. And so the children of Israel, by giving of their first fruits, are constantly reminded that God has given them everything. Now, if we think about our lives, what we learn, and it's very, and I'm, and I'm going to challenge you with this, is that oftentimes we give God our leftovers, not our first fruits. So we give all of our energy to everything else, all of our finances to everything else. And then if we have anything left over, which almost we never do, then God gets that part. And what that means is we have everything completely flipped over. The reason you have a place to live is because God has given you that. The reason you have food to eat is because God has given you that. And what we make the mistake is saying, I need to pay all my necessary bills and God will get whatever's left. And the reason we never have anything left is because God actually deserves the first fruits. Because it's a reminder to us that everything we have comes from him. And it's a biblical principle. You'll find it from Genesis to Revelation. Then someone's going to say, well, listen, so Fusco, that's great, but we're not under the law. I'm not trying to put you under the law. Not at all. What I'm saying is that you need to give God your best of everything. You take your talents and don't just give them to whatever to make some money. You say, God, my talents, how can you use these talents? You get the first fruits of my life. And you give God your very best and you say, God, in giving you my best, I'm going to let you divvy up everything else. And we need to learn this because for so many of us, we're not experiencing the life that God has for us because we're not giving God the first fruits of our lives. We're not giving the first fruits of our time, of our talents, of our treasures, of who we are. We're like, well, I'm going to kill myself all day long for my two squares. And if I got anything left, I'm going to serve the Lord. You get home and you sit down, you fall asleep on the couch. You know what I call nighttime devotions? Sleeping. Listen, I've tried it before. I'm like, oh Lord, I don't want to get up. I'll I'll do it before I go to bed. And sure enough, you're like, you're sitting there and you shut your eyes to pray. And the next thing you know, it's like midnight and your neck hurts because you're like sleeping on the couch, you know, anybody, am I the only one so unspiritual that that's happened to? Yeah. So it's like, man, I got to put my devotion time in the morning. Why? Because I need to give, like, I want to look into the face of God before I look into the face of any other person. It's the only way I'm going to be any use to anybody is if I look into the eyes of God first. Before I read the newspaper or find out what happened on Facebook or Twitter, I want to get my face in the word of God because I need something hope-filled and grace-filled and beautiful before I get into Who's mad at this politician? What happened on the injury report for the Seahawks? This thing, that thing, 95. It's like, we need a Jesus first. And we need to arrange our lives that God always gets the first fruits. And no judgment here, because I realize a lot of things vie for the first fruits. It takes intentionality and commitment to say, God, in every area of my life, I'm going to give you the first fruits. Lord, when I get a paycheck, I'm going to tithe my first fruits and my offering first, because God, you are more important than the car payment, the mortgage, the grocery bill, the two. It, no, Lord, it's yours. And I realize, like some of you are like, well, listen, us You don't, you know, you don't know my situation. You know how bad it is. Listen, in the book of Malachi, God literally says, test me on it. Only time test me. You know what that is? That's God like stepping up. Like, okay, you don't believe you don't trust me. Test me. How cool is that? God, God steps up. Try me out. See what I do. And so for so many of us, we live in lives of anxiety about all these things when all we have to do is give God the first fruits. And then you realize, and because you give him the first fruits, you order everything else differently. And you're like, Lord, I don't have. And then something crazy happens financially. and You're like, Lord, I'm honoring you with the first fruits. So can you just take care of this? Quick show of hands. How many of you have honored God with the first fruits and seen him do extraordinary things? Yeah. Let me ask you this. How many of you honor God with your first fruits and you've seen God do only terrible things in your life? The proof's in the pudding, my friends. Nobody raised their hand. Because when you give God the... Fr- and listen, I'm not saying that everything's going to be honky dory and you give God the first fruits and you're going to be like the second coming of Bill Gates financially. I'm not saying that. But you have a blessing that is different. Because you realize my whole life is oriented differently. Because all of a sudden you find, like, oh, I would have normally done that because I'm giving God the first fruits. I really can't do that. And so God reorients our lives around this reality of giving God our very best, not the leftovers. How many of you have, do you ever raise a number of kids and, like, they're splitting a piece of cake? Do you ever do that with kids? It's it's a mess, right? Because like as a parent, you're like, I got to put these things. They got to look exactly the same, or else there's going to be a war going on, you know. And then somebody said, oh, you know, you know what you do? If you're cutting it in half, you let one of them cut it, and the other one chooses. Ooh, I'm like, that's really good. Imagine you're cutting a cake up. You give God the best piece. That's what the first fruits is. You say, listen, yeah, we want this, but God, you get the first piece of every area of our lives. Whatever you can think of to give God the first fruits, do it. Your time, your talent, your treasures, finances, energy, your, your best thinking, your best dreaming. Give it to God first and say, God, I just want to use this for you. And Lord, I'm going to orient everything else around whatever's left. You will see your life change so profoundly. So it's this principle of the firstborn. Now, I realize that the whole like the covenant of salt kind of comes out of nowhere. Do you ever notice that at the end of this thing? It talks about this covenant. It is a covenant of salt forever. And I'm always like, this is a strange thing. But it does, of course, remind me, salt speaks of purity, of preservation. Remember, Jesus said that you are the salt of the earth. And so within this offering, there's this idea of the priests have this covenant of salt. So back in the day, they didn't have Costco or a supermarket. I know it's shocking. You know what I mean? And they didn't have ice boxes or refrigerators. So if you went out and you killed an animal and everything, if you wanted to preserve the meat, you know what you did? How many? Some of you guys are like wilderness hunters or Eagle Scouts, crazy people. Praise God, if anything happens, I'm coming to your house. But, but you know what I mean? If all the electricity goes out, what do you do with meat to preserve it? You smear salt on it. And I know you guys like your jerky, so it, it makes it tasty too. But it preserves the meat from decay. So salt is a preserving agent, isn't it? Now, salt also is something that promotes thirst. How many of you guys ever ate a whole lot of uh, pretzels? You need something to drink with that, right? It's a beautiful picture. The people of God are meant to be a preserving agent in the world. We're we're, we're meant to keep the world from decaying by our presence. It's interesting in the book of 2 Thessalonians, there's a weird verse about how the rising of the Antichrist will come when that which restrains is taken away a lot of argument about what that is but a lot of people say that's the church being removed and the church is designed to be a preserving it and really it's the spirit of god in the midst of the people of god in the midst of the world that is actually restraining unbridled evil in the world so salts are preserving it That's a deep thought go we'll read it later first thessalonians or second thessalonians very cool but the other side of it is salt promotes thirst And when you think about what Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and they shall be filled. And part of us living a life of giving God the first fruits is also about us displaying a life that makes others hunger and thirst for righteousness. Our following of Jesus should be impacting to the people. We should make people thirsty for the fountain of living waters. That's why it's so important for us not to let ourselves be grumpy, not ourselves to be mean-spirited and noo, 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 about whatever our thing is, noo, 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 is, you know what I mean? Because we want a life where people are like, man, I don't know what's up with it. I want, I want what they have. They're joyful. They're, they trust. They're hopeful. And yeah, everything's falling apart. They don't understand it, but they're like, I don't understand, but I just know Jesus is real and God's going to do something cool. And I just can't wait to see it, even though I'm praying that God will fix all this stuff. And when someone sees our lives that way, they're like, man... I kind of want what they got. They're so hopeful and joyful, and I'm always complaining. And they're always encouraging me, and, and they're going through a hard time, but, but you know they're, they're there for me. I should be there for them. Why are I there for them? They're always there for me. And that promotes thirst, and people are like, man, I want what they got, and they start hungering for thirsting for righteousness. And what happens? What does, what does Jesus say? When someone hungers and thirsts for righteousness, what will happen? They'll be filled, satisfied. Our lives are meant to be that. We promote thirst in the world for the fountains of living water. Just some thoughts on the salt covenant. Just a reminder of what it's all about. Now, look at what happens in verse 21. It says, Behold, I've given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Hereafter, the children of Israel shall not come near their tabernacle of meeting, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall perform the work, verse 23, of the tabernacle of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. For the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heave offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites as an inheritance Therefore, I have said to them among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. Verse 25, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak thus to the Levites and say to them, when you take from the children of Israel, the tithes, which I have given you from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering of it to the Lord, a tenth of the tithe. And your heave offering shall be reckoned to you as it were a grain of the threshing floor and as the fullness of the winepress. Thus you shall offer heave offering to the Lord from all your tithes, which you receive from the children of Israel. And you shall give the Lord's heave offering from it to Aaron, the priest. Of all your gifts, you shall offer up every heave offering due to the Lord from all the best of them, the consecrated part of them. Verse 30, therefore you shall say to them, when you have lifted up the best of it, then the rest shall be accounted to the Levites as the produce of the threshing floor and as the produce of the wine press. You may eat it in any place, you and your households, for it is your reward for your work in the tabernacle of meeting. And you shall bear no sin because of it. When you have lifted up the best of it, but you shall not profane the holy gifts of the children of Israel, lest you die. Now, this is very interesting to me because we learn that God provides for the Levites and the priests through the tithes and offerings of the people. So you guys know the word tithe, that means a 10th. So a 10th of it plus the offering, right? Now, then you say, okay, so the priests get all this stuff and then now we learn, what do the priests need to do as well? they need to give a tenth and an offering as well. Because you can imagine in the midst of all this, the Levites and the priests are like, well, listen, you know, we get all these tithes in and we serve the Lord, so we're going to enjoy all of this. And people will be like, oh, this isn't fair because now the priests and Levites, they're not. They don't have to give. So God says, no, listen, you guys are priests, Levites. Guess what? Everything that you receive, you need to give on it too. Why? Because God wants all of us to be the same. God uses the people's offerings to pay for the Levites and the priests and their families. And then they also give of their first fruits back to the Lord as well so that God is honored. Now, how cool is that? So it's not like, oh, well, you know, like you could say, well, so the pastors are crossroads like, you know, so we don't have to give because they're pastors. No, yeah. It's like everyone's called to do the same things. We're all called to give. Now, someone's bound to ask, and I'm sure in in the question time, there'll be questions about tithing. Do I believe in tithing, all this stuff? Listen, this is what I want to tell you. Tithing is what we learn in the Bible, the tithe and the offering. So the 10th and then over and above, right? That is, we know that the law is God's standard for righteousness. Then you get to the New Testament and God says that God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've said this many times. I'd rather be called to the tithe and the offering than to a cheerful giver. You know why? Because the tithe and the offering limits the offering. But a cheerful giver, that's a disposition of a heart of generosity. So in this case, I'd say you'd rather be back under the law. You could say, Lord, I give you my 10th and I give you my offering and I satisfy the law. When God says a cheerful giver, then you start asking, well, Lord, what does cheerful giving look like in my life? And then you start asking yourself, Lord, why am I not cheerful in my giving? And you realize that God's Offering is the totality of our lives. And our job is to say, God, how can I be a cheerful, generous
0: person? Jesus is real. We're so glad you joined us today as Pastor Daniel reminded you that there is a difference between giving a tithe or offering and being a cheerful giver. While the tithe has clear parameters, being a cheerful giver is about the disposition of your heart. You learn that your life is to be a living sacrifice to the Lord. Pastor Daniel asked you to consider how you're cheerfully serving the Lord with your life. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus
1: is Real Radio and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email
0: me at real at danielfusco.com. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel will walk you through a series of purification rituals that seem kind of crazy, but give us great insight into God's perspective. You'll notice that God sees how things are wrong and puts a plan in place to make it right. Pastor Daniel will share that these rituals also reveal deep truths about the ancient Israelite culture, especially as it relates to their need for cleansing. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.